0: I'm Asma Malik with the Atkinson Foundation. This is Lovers and Fighters, the second podcast series on Atkinson's Just Work It platform for podcasts and events for and by millennial workers. Here we meet people wrestling to hold the line between heart and grit in today's decent work movement. What do workers, especially millennial workers, love enough to fight for? We invite conversations across generations within sectors and more to understand and be inspired by the motivations and questions driving their work. For our first ever live episode recording, we partnered with Amapsio, a public sector union that represents 13,000 members in Ontario at their Workplace Representatives Conference on June 12, 2018. It was so much fun. IMAPSEO is a union growing in younger members and the perfect place to discuss what it means to love enough to fight for decent work in their workplace, the public sector. Here's our conversation. Well, I am so excited to join you here today. As was mentioned, my name is Asma Malik, and I'm the Director of Social Engagement at the Atkinson Foundation. And today we are so excited to be recording an episode of Lovers and Fighters, our new series. Um, And in Lovers and Fighters, we meet people wrestling to hold the line between heart and grit in today's decent work movement. We're asking what do workers, especially millennial workers, love enough to fight for? And I'm so thrilled today to be joined by Sarah Hoy, who I know you're all familiar with, and Fahmita Kamali. Someone you will be familiar with by the time our conversation ends. So thank you both for being here with us. And I'm gonna share a little bit of background about both of you uh, with our audience. Um, Sarah Hoy lives in Ottawa and works in the Ministry of Children and Youth Services. She is the co-chair of the Young Workers' Caucus at IMAPSEO and is celebrating her fifth anniversary as a member of the OPS this Thursday. That deserves a round of applause. Congratulations. An involvement in social justice and becoming a union activist was really a natural fit for Sarah because of her past volunteering with youth and seniors and as a first-generation Canadian whose family came to Canada from Cambodia to escape the terror of the Khmer Rouge regime. Vamita Kamali is based right here in Toronto. She's a strategist working at the intersection of tech, inclusion and policy innovation, and she's currently a senior advisor with a very exciting office, the Ontario Digital Service. And this year, she founded PSI Muslim uh, to create a community for Muslims working in the public sector to connect and network, to collaborate on projects, and provide advice to make workplaces more diverse and inclusive. So again, a big welcome to Sarah and Fahmida. Um, As I was looking to prepare for our conversation, one of my colleagues recommended a book to me um, that is from the 90s, it's about government work and unions in Ontario in the early 20th century. And while it was really interesting, what caught my attention most was the title of the book and it was called Don't Call Me Servant. Some of you might be familiar with it if you're into that sort of thing. Um, But it really did make me think that public sector workers and our shorthand, we still do call you public servants. And I wanted to put it to both of you. You know, what do you think about that term and how do you refer to your own role and work? And why don't we start off with you, Femida?
1: I, I don't actually have an issue with the term servant because at the end of the day, my work really is to be of service to Ontarians. Um, and servant leadership is something that I really, really value and care about.
2: Uh, I don't really say, like, I'm a public servant. Uh, I say, you know, I work for the Ontario Public Service uh, or the provincial government. Um, I don't really think twice about, you know, what um, you know, public servant means.
0: So I'd love to hear more about how you came to work in the public sector.
2: Um, so actually, I have a, a background in science. I was a biologist at first, um, and I just kind of tried to to figure out like what what next like what should I pursue because usually it's uh, people think you, you're stuck in a lab or you're pursuing medicine and so <laughs> I actually took a science policy course in my last year of university I actually did a, a fifth year because you know I was not sure at all my uh, professor was actually excellent about talking about how um, subject matter experts and policy makers need to like, discuss things properly and how there's a bit of a gap. And so like, I decided to pursue um, public service in that way and applied for a summer student position within Ottawa and uh, was successful in that competition. So,
0: How about you, Femida? How did you come to work in the public sector? We're in an age of innovation and digital and all of that and there seems like there's a whole world of options um, and you're, you're working in, in the public sector.
1: Yeah, so um, after I you know, graduated from university, I was really desperate for a job as all of us are when we're grappling with student loans. Um, interestingly, government had never been an option for me just because I didn't think I belonged here. Um, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have anyone that I knew that worked in government, so no role models. Uh, But I did happen to go to a conference that my university was putting on and then attended a panel, like how to get a job in government. And I went to that and it wasn't somebody from Ontario who answered this question, but I basically asked like what sort of advice would you have for somebody with my experience on how to get a role in government and this person said, with your experience you won't get a job in government for at least five years. And so when they said that, I was like, okay, I'll prove you wrong. Um,
0: (laughs) And uh, whoever that was who underestimated you, um, they, they didn't know what they had coming, right? So that's very exciting. There's a lot of myths about government, about the public sector, how it runs, how it works. It's been misunderstood very often simply as an overhead uh, rather than an essential to a strong society and really core to a productive economy. So Alex Himmelfer, who some of you might be familiar with, is a former clerk of the Privy Council and also a member of the Atkinson Board and someone who we talk about these issues with quite a bit. And he's noted that the public sector, distinctive uh, from any other sector out there, has a really important and critical bottom line that has to be core to, to all of the work and that is that it's for the common good, right, ultimately. And with that in mind, how would you describe what you're fighting for in the public sector as a worker in it? And um, I'm going I'm to start with, with you, Sarah. Um, is there an experience that you've had that has really defined what you're fighting for in your work?
2: So I'm, I'm going to describe the fight that I have um, it, as with respect to as the co-chair of the Young Workers Caucus. Like, what we're trying to fight for is, um, you know, advocating for the values of young workers and the roles that we have in the workplace. There's gonna be, you know, like a, a big retirement, wa- a wave of retirement. You can actually see it in this room. Like the, the A's, oh. sorry. No, sorry, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> we're truth telling here.
0: we're truth telling you. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, there are some younger workplace reps coming and, um, but we have to talk about, you know, the gap that's going to be left when you, when you leave, um, you know, trying to recruit for those leaders of tomorrow and try to educate them about your experiences and ensure that future policymakers or whoever is taking your job um, are prepared to fill that gap.
0: And that's so important, that capacity, that preparedness to you know, be able to serve the common good and to be able to be that strong part of society and that productive economy. And you know, I think you've identified something that is an amazing thing to fight for. And what do you love about that work that you get to do?
2: It brings a lot of opportunities. You know, you get to see all of the, the other young workers who are out there like yourself. Yeah, and
0: it's, it's an amazing opportunity to be able to give voice and make those connections, uh, even in the in the public uh, sector where people have ideas about you know what that is relative to the to the broader economy. So that's really an important point. And to you, to you, Femi, in your work, what do you see uh, the fight that kind of defines uh, defines your role in the public sector?
1: Uh, so I'll start off with my personal journey. The reason I love working in the public service is because I've always just cared about making things better and easier and more efficient for people and like all the things that I do and the community work that I did in my daily life. And I'm so lucky to have found that sort of similar work within the public service. Um, it's, I say it's cheesy to say, but it's not. Like I really do care about making Ontario a better place to live. And so that's my personal journey. And now with the Ontario Digital Service, the focus that we have on designing user-centered policies and programs and user-centered service delivery, like that to me is, a really, really difficult job, but one that I'm excited to be a part of. And I've never been one to back down from a challenge, uh, so that's what keeps me going in my work, because when you say things like innovation to people, they're like, oh, okay, like, um, I've seen that before in a DEX 20 years ago. But showing people how it can become real for them, how they can be part of the change that we're gonna be seeing in the way that we uh, deliver public services is something that really drives me.
0: And is there an experience that you had growing up or something even as a professional, something specific that made you care
1: So a little bit of personal history. I like my family has always lived in social housing for as long as I can remember so since I was about seven years old, my parents uh, found got an apartment in a social housing community, and they still live there today and so I've seen the benefits of social programming, right um, uh, if, I, if my dad didn't live there, we'd be struggling so much more. My first role in government making the salary of an MAPCO3, and like when I started in 2014, I was making more than my dad had ever made. Like it showed to me, you know, people ask, so what's your definition of success? And I'm like, well, like I've already succeeded by my parents' standards. Like my dad cried the day I got my job offer and called our entire family. Like I do not, I don't think he'll be this excited when I get pregnant. <laughs> um, but I think that's what drives me, because I've seen how social programming can provide opportunities for people. If, I, if my parents didn't live in social housing, I wouldn't have been able to be fed every day. I wouldn't have had the um, space to go to university representation really matters inside public service. And I think inside any sort of work that we do, I'm a presenting Muslim woman, and I can see the difference that I make when I go to events and I say, I'm a public servant for the Ontario government. Uh, People have come up to me and said thank you to me because when I go to a public policy school, there aren't very many people that look like me inside public policy schools. And so knowing that uh, through the work that I'm doing, I'm creating space for people who might not necessarily fit the model of a public servant today, can see themselves and envision themselves working for the public sector, like that's the difference that I'm making and I,
0: I'm excited to do that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Sarah, when we spoke, you talked about your your personal journey, the story of your family as something that is so formative and that drives you. Can you share a little bit more about that with us?
2: Yeah, so um, my parents uh, were actually, you know, experiencing the genocide within Khmer Rouge. Um, and so my, my, my sisters were actually raised and born in uh, Thai refugee camps. So they went through literally life and death like to try and get to a better place, like to come to Canada. You know, a couple years old, they're protecting my sisters from bullets and guns. It's actually a miracle that my, twi- my twin sisters are actually alive. They were born premature in a camp with, you know, next to no medical treatment. And just coming from that, you know, my parents taught me, you know, a strong work ethic to always be grateful for everything, always to be gracious, always to be happy. So, they, they taught me what work ethic was. And, you know, for a while, they had to rely on the welfare system. So, like, my dad, like, he's a very Proud person, so like you know, he he didn't really want that assistance, but you know he ha- he knew he had to because he had four daughters to raise. We were on welfare for a while, and he actually uh, got you know went through some education and became a welder. So he's in trades, um, not a unionized <laughs> trades, but <laughs> trades, <laughs> and. Um, I got to see, you know, his work ethic, and like he learned the language um, well enough, and he's respected in his workplace. so I saw that as an example. And you know, I work hard every day to make sure that I know that I'll be able to support them one day because they're getting older. My dad's gonna be retiring soon, and he's stubborn and wants to keep working for a little while longer, but you know, as soon as, you know 65 hits like I want to make sure I can support him in any way I can because you know I'm grateful for him and my my mom like they're amazing people.
0: Thank you both for sharing that and I think that you know it uh, it also causes I think all of us to reflect in that deeper way about what drives our work there's what we see on the surface about our stories and you know where we go in every single day but the feelings of gratitude of responsibility of the fight and that deep love that drives us is something that we can never miss in this work. And I mean, you're both millennials and you both have shared with us why you've chosen to work in the public sector. And what have you heard from young workers? If there is one thing that they wanna see more of that they'd like to see changed as a MAPCO members that would make their work more decent, what stands out for you?
2: You have to make that space for those young workers. You need to realize, you know, these are Young workers who don't really know what they're doing, and like they need to, you need to create that space for them to have that good dialogue with them, so that you can empower them to, to get to that. I think creating that space, having that dialogue, is helpful because you know they're they're just starting off and they need some guidance. Like it's something I try to do all the time within my own workplace. Um, a lot of my colleagues around my age are in, you know, admin. Positions and who are looking to get into a Mapsio or you know a, a more a different title or a different role um, and you know I try to tell them you know I've, I've been there i've done that like uh be patient like i, yeah, I don't like to say it too, but like you, you got to be patient or you know sometimes it's timing, but you've got to be persistent like you have to seek out opportunities where they are, and like you know if if management can uh, if management can um, create that space and time for you. Like, you know, they'll see the value in having you as a worker. Yeah.
0: And is there an initiative that you can tell us about that has invited that space for younger workers in, in your workplace or in a workplace that you've uh, seen? So we have the Young Workers
2: Caucus, we have the uh, Black Caucus, um, LGBTQ. Uh, Women's Caucus, um, um, several caucuses. So like, we, we work together to try to you know, create a, a better lens. Like, we're working on an equity lens right now to try and um, work on different policies and procedures or, and whatnot um, within the map seal. So it's gonna be a game changer to try and like, uh, ensure that equity is at the g-
0: root of our work. And I guess that you know, brings us to some of the work that you've been doing, Ben-Mita. Um, Through PSI Muslim, you've been bringing Muslims from across the public sector <coughs> together. And what do you know now about the experiences of Muslims in the public sector through this organizing that can make work more decent for them and everybody?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to talk about PSM Muslim. So I actually created this community when I uh, realized that there weren't many people who shared my experiences um, and could just talk to me about the things that I might be going through on a day-to-day basis. So um, I've actually cared about inclusion for a long time. Uh, to me, you know, diversity is seen and inclusion is felt. And inclusion doesn't have to address the needs of any one group specifically. I believe that when you create an inclusive environment, you're actually creating a better work environment for all, not just for one specific group. I created this community, PSM Muslim, for public servants across uh, the entire sector. Uh, So all three levels of government, uh, if you work in education or healthcare, you're also uh, welcome to get involved. And we've had two uh, events so far, so I've only just launched it in March. We've had already over 350 people sign up. And the thing that I've just heard is that people were craving a community, a community of folks who share their experiences, similar to what you've created here for MAPSEO members who can meet each other and discuss the things that they're going through. Muslims in the public sector need to gather and talk about the things that they might be experiencing. You know, some of the things that you can do for your colleagues is, uh, I don't know if some of you know, but this is the Muslim month of Ramadan right now, so Muslims all across the world are fasting, and it's a period of 30 days, and what I actually did was I did I did this last year but I created this deck for my colleagues and it was like tips for non-Muslim friends of Muslims and it was like here's how you can like be supportive to your colleague. For me, I'm attentive between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So if there's like important meetings, let's schedule them then. Um, you know if I kind of my eyes glaze over and I'm like staring at your pierogies from the legislative cafe, like I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but I was open about the things that made me different, and thankfully I had colleagues who were receptive to that, but I've now sent my deck out to, I think it's made its way through the OPS, I don't know if you've seen it on Inside OPS, they had me right <laughs> anyway um, People just, first Muslims in the PSM, Muslim community, wanted to talk to each other about things that they were going through, but also they wanted to learn how to talk to their colleagues um, and advocate for inclusion, because again, the, the inclusion work that I'm doing, I don't care about just making the world better for Muslims. I care about making the world better for all of us, uh, for all of us to do good work as public servants. At the end of the day, just uh, making sure that the work that I do is serving the Ontarian. Uh, you know, my role as a public servant is to serve the government uh, with integrity and provide my best advice. And I think I'll, I'll continue to always do that. And part of the best advice um, where I get that is making sure to understand the needs of the people that I serve. I ask myself all the time, what sort of work do I wanna be doing in the future? And I always look at it from the lens of whatever work that I'm doing, is it actually gonna make a tangible difference in the life of a person? And if I don't anticipate that any sort of work is gonna do that, then I'm not interested in doing that work. Um, so I think that's the value that I'll hold dearly. That's right.
0: And you know, one of the, uh, one of the big questions that we ask, especially in the theme of this particular uh, series, Lovers and Fighters. You know, for each of you, what keeps you in the fight? What keeps the love alive for you? What do you do to feed it? Um, you, can take a, you can have a tack that's around self-care or around something that you do or the people that you see, but what keeps you going?
2: Um, as a public servant, you know, I really do believe in like, the goals of my ministry. You know, it's trying to improve um, services for children and youth and you know, trying to reach those um, at-risk youth and giving them all the tools they need to try to succeed in life. It, it, within my workplace itself, too, there are so many great people in my office who have brought, you know, nonprofit, private sector experience with them, like coming from front line, and it's 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 motivation to continue the work. When you see other people who have these inspiring stories, then you're motivated to continue. And then there's also my peers who, you know, aren't as, you know, lucky or you know who have the. The jobs that we have, you know, they're continuing to struggle. They're working three jobs. Like the reality is real. Like, um, they're they they can not find stable housing. Um, I'm motivated to keep pushing for them and, you know, encouraging them, trying to give them advice on how to succeed. And you know, always looking out for jobs for them, sending them job postings. Oh, this is a lawyer. Oh, I'll send that to you. Like I have so many friends who I just constantly send job postings to, give them tips and advice as much as I can, connect them to people because you're you're a connector. Like when you're in this role, you're connecting people and trying to find them the jobs that you know you think they can excel in.
0: You're a good friend to have, Sarah, I gotta say that. How about you, Pamina? what uh, what keeps you in the fight, what keeps your love alive?
1: Um, So I love to use the internet, um, and I have made a lot of friends on the internet. So I love Twitter, and that's where I've connected with a bunch of fantastic public servants across the OPS, but also across other sectors, and just, you know, kind of living in that environment. Obviously, like, your Twitter feed is designed by who you follow, so I have a very great Twitter feed. Um, Because I follow, like, people who really care about the work that they're doing, and they don't give up on that fight. And so just seeing that and feeling like I'm part of that community, that's what makes me want to stay in the public service. And, you know, sometimes I and my other colleagues will lament about all the work that we have to do and, like, how far we have to go to see the sort of changes that we're, we're wanting to see. But I'm the sort of person, I mean, I'm a Leo, so I can't, I don't give up a good fight. The things that I'm working on, I might not be immediately able to see the success of. They might be long-term successes. That's actually what I'm fighting for. Um, That's what keeps me going. I mean, I might get exhausted in a few years, but for now, it's what really, really motivates and drives
0: me. Well, on the point of motivation, we really love music in our office and we like to have like a good song for each mood. So I'm gonna ask each of you, what's your fight song?
2: I actually love Rage Against the Machine, Bulls on Parade. If you guys know that song. Which one? Bulls on Parade. Okay, nice, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, I'm a fan of Beyonce's entire Lemonade album. Uh, But, I think it's in formation. There's a very specific line. It doesn't align to like public service work, but there's one line where she says, "Best revenge is your paper." I'm not, she means money, but uh, I think about it as outcomes. So you know, the I'm always constantly kind of working hard to show the outcome of my work, and that's what keeps me motivated. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> so now we're going to switch tacks, and we're also going to invite our audience into this segment. It's one of my favorite parts of our uh, our lovers and fighters series. It's um, and it's a segment we like to call "Love or Fight." Very creative and very original. Um, so it, it's pretty simple. I'm going to say a thing, and then you all have to tell me, including the two of you, uh, whether you'd love it or you'd fight it. First thing, "Sunshine List," "Love or Fight." Oh, fight. Love <laughs> all right. I heard like mixed bag. Where, where are you guys on it?
1: I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. How
2: about you, Sarah? I just said fight because it needs to be refined you know, in context. So, you know, maybe, yeah, we do need to hold People accountable if like salaries seem a little too high for you know maybe what they're doing, but it, for the most part, like you know what's what's the purpose of it? Really,
0: I feel like you're holding yeah. a line between love and fire. You're yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Sorry, I heard I heard a big love somewhere out here. Can someone someone want to talk
2: about that? I'll t- I'll tell you why I love it. So it's actually I think a good reason because all that salary disclosure means that we now know what everyone who does a similar job to us also makes. So in fact, I think it actually encourages uh, the reduction of wage parities based on all sorts of equity seeking reasons. And it actually has been shown in some jurisdictions to increase the overall salaries
0: of public servants. So I actually think it's been like, sort of like a gift that keeps on giving. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a great defense of, of loving the sunshine list, so thank you for that. All right, our next, our next one. Um, the phrase, think outside the box. Oh. Love or fight? fight? Fight. That seemed like a unanimous fight. Uh, Pemita.
1: <laughs> I just, I, I do love some good, cheesy phrases, but not that one. Yeah. Or like boiling the ocean, or like let's take this offline.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, I love and, that and are folks in agreement on that one? Our final one um, is, also, is also a phrase, which I think you know, can seem very innocuous, but I think also has lots of connotations in, in conversation. But bureaucracy, love or fight? Love it. Love it. Love it? Love it. How about you, Sarah? I said love it. Love it, okay. So there's a, there's a unanimous love up here, why?
1: Uh, There's this quote from Barack Obama. He gave this address like a couple of years ago, but he talks about democracy being messy and the fact that in the public service, our bottom line is not the same of, uh, it's not the same as that of Silicon Valley companies. Our bottom line is actually people. Um, And so to fairly work for the people of Ontario, we do need bureaucracy to make sure that we're all accountable to the way that we do our work. I mean, it's not perfect but I think there is reason to it because I don't think that we'd be able to do what we do without bureaucracy.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great... That is a great place for us to wrap up our discussion. Um, I want to to give you both an opportunity to share with everyone in this room and also the folks who will be listening to us where they can find you. Um, And I'm particularly uh, talking about online, uh, on Twitter, um, email, um, if you have a cool website or something, uh, to be able to share that with us too. I'll start with you, Sarah.
2: Um, we're working on a cool website, right, MapSeal? So, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, Sarah.Hoy27 at gmail.com by email. Uh, on Twitter, uh, sorry, Instagram, I don't do Twitter. <laughs> Instagram is Sarah.Hoy27. Um, I'm on also on Facebook at, you know, Sarah Hoy. I have a picture of me fishing and I, I, I caught a big, uh, <laughs>
1: what I catch? Barracuda.
0: And how about you, Femida?
1: So you can uh, find PSIM Muslim at www.psim.ca, all letters. Um, I'm on Twitter at Famita Kamali and on Instagram, though it's not really work related, it's Famita from Canada. Um, yeah, and reach out to me anytime if you want to continue the conversation. Happy to talk.
0: It was energizing to be in a room full of people who are making their workplaces decent through their union. The Amapsio crew got me thinking about all the other people who have come together, where they work, under the banner of decent work in recent years. Early childhood educators, business owners, environmentalists, economists, healthcare practitioners, academics and students, elected officials and public servants, journalists, so many of us are getting organized, building power and driving change where we work. As for me, I'll be taking a leave from the Atkinson Foundation to participate in Toronto's City Council election. Municipal governments have a big role to play in creating decent work through policies and practices. In Toronto, there's been good progress through the anti-poverty strategy and the work of the Fair Wage Office. The new council will have to push this agenda forward even stronger. Like many of you, I love this city enough to fight for it. I'll be back in November to co-host our third podcast series, another live event, with Max Fineday, the Executive Director of Canadian Roots Exchange. We're calling this next series 2062, Beyond a Cartoon Future for Millennial Workers. Do you remember the Jetsons? In 1962, it was one of the first color cartoons in the transition from black and white television. The show was set 100 years in the future. We're gonna have some fun with characters like Rosie the robot housekeeper, Elroy and Judy the youngest Jetsons, George Jetson's workplace, Spacely Sprockets, and the business rival, Cogswell Cogs, will also get our special guests talking about future workers. If you'd like to be part of our audience for this event later this year, send us an email at justworkit at atkinsonfoundation.ca and tell us a little bit about yourself. Tickets will be distributed on a first-come, first-served basis. You don't want to miss it. This wraps up our series, Lovers and Fighters. Thanks for listening. Lovers and Fighters is produced by Vocal Fry Studios and hosted by me, Asma Malik, with additional support from Nora Cole. You can find our show notes at atkinsonfoundation.ca slash podcast. Follow us on Twitter at AtkinsonCF and on Instagram at justworkit underscore. Subscribe to our Just Work It platform on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. And your positive ratings and comments ensure that other people can find us too. We love hearing from you. Get in touch with us on social media or at justworkit at atkinsonfoundation.ca.